Elite Physique University, your source for all things physique enhancement. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Elite Physique University. I'm John Gorman, your host. Jason Theobald, we're back in the house. We had a nice little break. You were just on vacation after the last show. How's it yep. going, man? How are you? How was your Thursday? Oh, you know, not too bad. Staying busy. Um, you know, life's, uh, life's been interesting these last few weeks. Um, as some people know already, a lot of my clients, and I've announced it on uh, the Excellence Cartel, but uh, Steph and I have decided to uh, separate, um, but we're going to stay business partners. That's really what we, I mean, that's really what we've kind of became and that's, that's what we are. And we're just going to keep, you know, everything the same, honestly, like new ethics, Scooby prep, all of us, we're going to continue to work as a team to just kind of make everyone's lives easier, hers and mine, but we are, we'll do it from separate roofs. Um, and everyone's, everyone's pretty happy about it. Um, the boys are doing well and, um, it's just a lot, man. When you like, I bought a new place. Um, and when you're trying to like get bills set up and get all your cable and order furniture and it's a lot, especially when you've got, you know, a lot of clients. So been a little stressful, but uh, it's moving along. Um, and then uh, Team Scooby Prep is being built out right now. Um, I've got like five coaches and we're going to be adding a few extra. I already got my next coach that I want to bring on. Um, I've already got my eye on that person. Um, but I'm going to be bringing on others as things go and as things calm down for me. Um, so that's exciting. Uh, we're going to have a, a really cool Instagram page and we're going to have a really nice website now um, where the coaches can record a video and kind of tell you about their style. And I think it's going to be really cool and I'm really excited about it. Um, and then I guess the last thing with me is I'm, I'm contemplating hopping into Tampa Pro. I've got uh, Megan Santa Barbara doing figure and she looks amazing. She's doing pro figure. I have Trish Wood doing women's physique. She's peeled up and um, I got to be there anyways. Well, I don't got it, but I chose to be there for them. And I figured, you know what? I'm close. I'm in striking range. There's a lot of stress on me right now, but you know, pull a few carbs here, take out some coffee creamer here. Um, I might be able to pull it all together. I posted some pictures on my Instagram, it's just upper body. I haven't had anyone to take full body, but, um, I don't know, man, I might jump in. I'm going to, I'm going to have the final decision by next week. So lots of things going on with me, but uh, I'm still smiling. I'm still getting my training in. I'm still, um, you know, just rocking down the road, man. Yeah, man. I definitely, I definitely hear you. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if you decide to jump in that show. Um, yeah. I know you, you know, you've, you've always got people around you that won't bullshit you. That'll shoot you straight. Right. But you know, I think at this point you've been doing it so long, you can objectively um, yes. look at yourself and be able to say, Hey, like I'm going to be good or I'm not, you know, where right. maybe, you know, 10 years ago, you, you more needed someone that would shoot you straight. But yeah. I yeah. think at this point, you know, better than anybody else, yes. whether you're going to be ready. So, yeah. and that, you know, that kind of brings up something, um, you know, with, with you and other people, if, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And nope. I think that's, um, that's not in everyone's cards. Obviously I'm not going to walk around in a physique that can be ready in, in a month, but for those of you that can, um, maybe you should be. And that's an, ex especially with stuff that's going on now. I mean, obviously life stuff happened to you, man. I'm really sorry to hear that because you guys are both great people and, and I'm, I'm not going to talk more about that, but right. when life stuff happens and COVID and all this, you've got to stay flexible. And if you're someone that steps on stage or wants to step on stage, 
you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. And I don't mean yep. stage ready, but within striking distance. Striking you, distance. You've been doing that. I mean, you've been that way for fucking two, what, two years now? Two years, yeah. Yeah, I've kind of got it down to a science for me. And so, um, you know, the smallest changes uh, elicit change now in terms of my physique. Like I said, I can pull my coffee creamer out, which I just use real sugar type coffee creamer and, you know, maybe pull a little bit out of my intra and I tighten up, you know, and I add a little cardio here and I tighten up. So you can see the changes when you're, when you're leaner than like when you make a change and you're a little fatter, you're like, man, I don't know if this is working or not, but every little change you make when you're leaner, you can see it. So like, it, it kind of helps you like kind of rest easier too. Yeah, man. Well, I'm a, I'm going to crack one of these open. It's been <laughs> a, uh, it's been a long day and let everyone know what's, what's been going on new with me. And then we're going to get into our show and this is one, you know, we're going to talk about blood work part one, and then we're going to record a part two. And it, it's something I wanted to get all this stuff kind of lined out and ready and talk about the systems of the body. So then when it's, you know, when we start talking about blood work, it all kind of starts to come together. But as far as what's new with me, we do need to announce, Jason, the Elite Physique University Seminar, yep. September 12th and 13th in Springfield, Missouri. Um, I'm going to put the link in the show notes. You guys can go buy tickets now. Listen, this will sell out. Um, our restrictions here in the area have us limited to 50 people. Um whether we have masks or not, we're not going to get into that right now because it's a little early and that's not until September. So maybe that's lifted, but if not, well, we'll all just wear masks and all look cool together. But regardless, we'll be able to have 50 people there. And Jason, I don't have the list in front of me, but we're, we're giving six classes, two Q and A's. We've got four super VIP tickets, which dude, I think there's only one of those left. Like those three of those oh, sold wow. out in like the first 10 minutes. Damn. Um, so they're going to get to come train <laughs> with us. I'm going to have everybody over here to my house on Friday night for a, for nice. a dinner it, and it'll be fun, man. Um, so oh, we're yeah. going to talk shop. So if you guys want tickets, go to elitephysiqueuniversity.com. Yeah. It's a great value. Out. I mean, you're getting six presentations for what? Two ninety nine. At two forty nine. Yeah. Two forty nine. Like it's it's going to be good. We've got that one super VIP. It's four ninety nine. And we're going to have a goodie bag like with both of our products in there and yep. all, all kinds of good stuff. So if you guys want to check that out, head over to the website. It's in the show notes. Um, and a couple other cool things as far as as far as you and I is I started carrying your new ethics products on my fat muscle project Definitely. website. Yep. And I did that for a reason because I want to offer my clients and people that I know the the, the best products out there for things like cortisol reduction and um, greens, obviously. So, and, and for a thyroid supplement. So I carry Thyroboost, yep. Cordes and greens, and you guys just got gut defender. So that's the next yes. thing I'm going to start carrying and the chase berry. Um, yes. So those will be coming soon, but dude, everybody's happy. My gym's carrying it. Uh, Jason Wells just made an order. He's going to be carrying your stuff awesome. too. Um, something else I need to talk to you about is I just got contacted by a very large gym that wants to carry my protein uh, for smoothies and stuff and they need a greens product. And I say, Hey, guess what? I've got the guy that has it. So oh, yeah. you, you and yeah, I will yeah. talk offline. Let's chat. About that. Yeah. yeah. So good stuff happening, man, with you and I just kind of yeah. doing yeah, some definitely. business together. Um, Competitors finally, can do business together and you can make yourself actually work even better, you know, and agree. more and more successful. Percent. So with that being said today, I hired a brand new um, employee, Jacob Klesens. He just passed his, um, his test. He's a registered dietitian. He's oh, an right. IPE pro. Yeah. He's a great guy. He's been a sponsored athlete of mine for, for a few years now, just a good solid guy. And he came on board and started today. So like he is in the trenches for very first full-time employee. So 
um, that's pretty cool. And we just launched our new protein today. We're actually, you know, as soon as I get off here, I'm going to flip the website on, make a post. So we started carrying a cinnamon roll protein and a milk chocolate. They're not natural, but there's only six ingredients in them. So they're super, nice. super, super clean. Um, we just have more stuff planned that you just can't do with Stevia and get it to taste right. Some more fun flavors and for people's gut that can handle that perfectly perfectly fine so um yeah man enough enough new stuff about us let's go ahead and get into the show so jason bloodwork this is something that a lot of people listening and this was me probably five years ago i didn't really delve into it a lot let's let's do what we do on a lot of other shows i like to take us back and say hey when did this start to kind of click for you when did you start looking at it um so when did when did you start looking closely at labs not just for yourself but also for your clients well I think I started looking at labs probably seven or eight years ago, but I got really good at it and really understood what types of things that I have to review and understand to spot, you know, metabolic stress. Um, probably the last three years. Um, I met my business partner, Vince Pitstick, learned a lot from him. And then I took some courses from actual doctors and, you know, that, that were actually schooled in functional medicine principles as well. And, um, that's what kind of catapulted my knowledge, um, really within the last three years. So, you know, there's, it's pretty, you know, what a lot of coaches are able to do is they can look at a range on a lab and say, yeah, that's in range, but there's certain things that you have to compare to one another for instance, like estrogen dominance. And so, um, you know, a coach might just look at the estradiol and it's in range and they're like, well, you're not estrogen dominant, but actually got to understand how it, it relates to progesterone. So there's things like that that um it kind of takes your knowledge to the next level type thing yeah and this is something too in future episodes what what i want us to be able to do is break down each one of these into kind of its own podcast so like literally have a whole podcast on estrogen estrogen dominance um some anti-estrogens natural you know and and prescribed all that different stuff um so then that start i mean we've got so much content we can continue to put out but um, back to blood work. I, I was a little later than you, um, which seems to be the thing you're, you're always like one or two years kind of ahead of me as far as some of the stuff. And I've learned a lot of this stuff from you. So you started to present at the summit on it mm-hmm. and I'm about a year and a half, two years in to really looking at labs. Most of it started for myself as I got mm-hmm. older and I started right. noticing things like my testosterone was lower, which we talked about on episode, yep. episode two or three. Uh, my cholesterol was all kinds of fucked up, um, which I got figured out. But then what I did is I started taking that information about myself and learning how to fix myself. And I started to attend the same conferences that you recommended. And I started to figure out how to fix myself. Well, the next thing I know is now I'm starting to look at my clients' labs and I'm t- starting to help them with diet and with sub- natural supplementation. And it, dude, actually it became a passion of mine. I thought, you know what, this is the next level, not only for becoming a better coach, but for me, you know me, I like a challenge. Um, so it was the next, I'm like, all right, how much can I learn? Other coaches aren't out there learning this shit. So I'm going to try and be early. So, you know, go back to about two years is when I first started to figure it out, but man, I was fucking clueless. I'll just be honest. I I just did. And I think most people listening, they're probably shaking their head. And that's why I just want to throw it out there, you know, to make them not, you're not alone. I've been doing a lot of successful coaching for a long time. And I wasn't looking at this stuff and thank God I did, because if not, I'd just be the same old coach. I wouldn't be learning anything new. Um, So let's go ahead and kick this off with getting blood work done at the doctor versus online, like at a walk-in lab and a facility. Um, 
you know, Jason, people, so I, I just had clients today. I've probably looked at six sets of, of lab work and I've had a few that needed to get lab work. And they always ask me, well, where should I get this done? Um, what are your recommendations when someone can go to the doctor when they have this whole list of lab work done? I, I know there's some do's and don'ts and some things that they need to know when they go in. What do you normally tell people if they're going to see a doc? I, I, well, I mean, I give them a list of what I need to see. And then um, I explain to them, you know, your doctor is not going to want to run cortisol. Your doctor is going to want to only run TSH and T4 for your thyroid, and that's not going to work. Um, don't let them short this list. Tell them you need it exactly as it is. Find the codes for it and get it done. And don't leave there with the list changed. Yeah, and, and, and I run into that a lot. And all the I'll, time. Yeah, I'll tell you the biggest area that I run into it, because here's the thing, guys. We're all physique um, enhancement enthusiasts. Like we're all interested in being as muscular, as lean as we can. So when you get testosterone drawn, for example, if you just get your total done and you don't get your free done, that doesn't tell you the whole picture. And I, J Jason, that's the number one thing I have my clients come back with. I'm like, Hey, where's your free tea? Well, my doctor didn't order it. And I'm like, I told you to make sure a hundred percent to get that measured. Um, so you're right. There's things that they need to go in with. Now, if their doctor says, I don't want to order this or, or, you know, especially with the thyroid, they want it, you know, because if insurance is going to pay for it, they need to hear some signs and symptoms. So I, I know I tell my folks, I'm like, listen, tell them all, all the words that kind of go along with, you know, low testosterone, for example, you need to tell them, Hey, I'm tired. I'm not recovering from my workout. I have low libido. I have low yep. motivation. I mean, I'm a little, a uh, little depressed. Like you need yep. to tell the doctors that kind of stuff. So they'll order the test. Is, yep. is there anything else that you recommend saying to the doctor? Um, no, I mean, I, I always just kind of, cause I give such a big list. I'm not looking at one thing. I, I give the kind of the, the speech that I, I gave you at the beginning. It's like, don't shortchange any of this, <laughs> Right. you know, I, I need this as is, and let's figure out a way to get this done. Um, that's the way I do it, but you're right. Like if this just a testosterone thing, uh, sure. Give them that, give them that spiel. I 100% agree with that. So the other thing too, and, th and this is what I like to do. Uh, I don't like to fucking visit a doctor for anything unless I just have to. I go to a walk-in clinic. I've talked about it here on the show many times. We've got an any lab test now, and those are yes. all over the place. I walk in. We have it in Kentucky. Yeah. Just walk in, pick your labs, get them done. Um, I send my clients a complete list of what I want them to get, depending on what the situation is, and I have them take that in. And they get it done. So those are all over the place and that's easy. Now it is going to cost you a little bit more money. Yeah. Ordering, it, ordering it a la carte like that is expensive. So like if I just need a guy to check his testosterone and free or something, that's cool. But otherwise I use uh, the life extension um, comprehensive weight loss panel. Gotcha. So where, where can people go to get that? Uh, it's life. Ex Hold on one second. I can give you. Cause you know what guys, we'll put this in the show notes for you. Um, when Jason's it's done. um it's lifeextension.com and then you just go under like lab testing and it's called weight loss panel comprehensive it's 206 bucks for a pretty much everything i need to map you out um and take 15 gets you 15 percent off so it's like 192 bucks and i mean you're getting pretty much everything we need it's got the thyroid it's got the cortisol it's got even fasted insulin it's got everything you need to really see what's going on metabolically Okay. Excellent. 
So there you go, guys. Those are pretty much your options, unless there's something I left off there, but there's none that, that I know of. No, and I use, I generally honestly tell people just to skip their doctor and just buy the damn thing online because you get an email, you set it up with LabCorp, you show up when you want, and you're done. Yeah, a lot, a lot easier that way. Yep. So, okay. Um, so let's, let's talk about ranges too before we start getting into the nuts and bolts of what people need to look at on their labs. Um, because, you know, we talked about this right before the show, you teach a great class, your, your yeah. metabolic compensation class or, or, or whatever you're calling it. You go yeah. through everything as far as what ranges you like to see as a coach. Now yes. your ranges, those are what you recommend and not everybody will know those ranges. So if, if they've been in the class, great. If not, there's ranges on a test. And Jason, sometimes those test ranges can, can be different from one testing, you know, one doc or one lab or whatever to another, because they pull the results based on different, different yeah. pools, basically. Yeah. Labs, lab, like lab core is going to be a little different than like quest. Right. So for those type of people, if, if you're somebody that, if you, if you don't know the exact ranges that Jason likes to recommend and, and Jason, if you want to throw some out off the top of your head, I know you don't probably don't have your class notes in front of you. Cause I don't think anyone's going to remember the exact ranges that you recommend, but if, if you want to throw some of those out there, great. But for the most part, people can look at the ranges and, and base those on, you know, whether you're high, low in the middle, and we're going to talk about where people should be as far as on ranges but it does change. It, it is different from test to test. So I, I want yeah. to throw that out there. Is there anything else you want to say about that specifically? No, I think, I think we covered that pretty well. I mean, it really comes down to the values and looking at the lab, you know, that, that you're at, but there are certain things like what we're going to be able to cover tonight, like testosterone, for instance, you want it middle of the road to high normal. I mean, why would you want to be under, you know, middle when it comes to something like testosterone? But not everything is like that. So, I mean, we can go over um, the different things and, you know, give some ranges and what you want to look at. For sure. Okay. And then finally, when it comes to testing, and, and we can we can break this down as we get into the different things to measure and, and take a look at. But there are some times when you need to be fasted. There are some times when you want to um, have it at a certain time of the month if you're a female. And yep. there's also the other question I get a lot is, should I, should I take the day off? before like should yes. i not train the day before so what do you like to recommend jason i know i tell my clients hey listen if you can get a day off before the gym that yeah. would actually be so great. here's the directions for females that i give um for females uh i like it in the luteal phase and the way you can kind of figure that out is just take 19 20 or 21 days from from the first time uh you started bleeding in your last period so just take count just open the calendar from the first day and count 19 to 21 days and that's when you want to go ahead and and get it done um, we want to do that because during the luteal phase progesterone spikes um, pretty high and um, you should see it around 10 12 13 14 um, and so that's a good way to figure out if someone's flatlined because if you take it in other phases like follicular when it goes low um, you might it, it's going to be low because it's a flick your face. So you don't know if it's low because of the phase or because it truly is not pumping out anymore. So if you hit something like the luteal phase when it's supposed to be higher and you come back with a point two, well, you know, you've got a flat line to progesterone and you, you're going to have some estrogen dominance. Um, 
And then I also tell them I want it fasted always because I'm looking at fasted insulin and uh, fasted glucose numbers. Uh, that comprehensive metabolic panel I told you to get on life extension has fasted insulin and fasted glucose. Um, and I want you hydrated because if you just go straight out of bed, um, that can affect uh, kidney values to not be hydrated. So hydrate well. And then one to two days off because that can throw kidney values off, but it's actually more likely to throw liver values off potentially in some people. So one to two days off before the notes I give. When it's a man, take away obviously the idea of the luteal phase, but then everything else holds. Fasted, hydrated um, is, are the things, and then and some rest before from training. Yeah, I always tell people, I'm like, at least try and get two shaker cups full of water yep. um, with no food, because obviously people people don't want to, they don't want to fast forever, like if they're starving, but you at least have a couple shaker cups. And I've seen that, you know, that's helped people with their bun and stuff like that. But I, yep. I also tell people don't drink fucking monsters, don't drink caffeine or anything just because because of what it can affect with like cholesterol, for example. And cortisol. Um, and, and, yep, I was about to say, and cortisol, that's go ahead and go ahead and slam a monster and see what that does. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know how much it'd throw it off, but you don't want that. For example, no. No. um, I tell people uh, if they have cortisol, which we'll get to in a little bit, but just talking about if they need to fast or not, all the research that I've looked at, um, the recent research suggests 14 hours fasted with water only. So have your last meal 14 hours prior. So if you're going to get that done at nine in the morning, just count backwards 14 hours and that's your last meal the night before. Um, and it just makes it a hell of a lot easier to get an accurate reading on, on your, uh, cholesterol. So other than that, man, um, let's go ahead and jump in. Let's, um, I can, I mean, I have a, I have a running list. We can just talk about them if you want. Yeah. I've, I've actually got those. Do you have the show notes there with you? I, uh, I went yeah, off I have my running list of everything I require. Yeah. I, I took your list and I put those in the show notes that I emailed over to you. Um, I've got every single one you have here starting with uh, CBC with, with ferritin and white and red blood cells and all that stuff. But if, if you want yeah, to start, that's go boring. ahead. boring. Like let's, let's just start with like fasted glucose and work down. Okay, go ahead, man. I'll just let you take so, it. So fasted glucose, um, you know, the optimal is going to be anywhere from 80 to 90. Um, if you're 95, don't freak out. Maybe that means you lower your carbs a little bit. Maybe you add a GDA. Um, but somewhere between 80 and 90 is going to be an optimal, um, fasted glucose. Now, if you're a 75, that's fine too. That's great. It's even better, but I'm just saying most people optimally are going to fall around 80 to 90. Um, what we don't want to see are over 100s. Um, and then in that case, if someone is over 100, then I'm going to start asking them to start tracking maybe postprandial and see if maybe that 100 is a cortisol response, um, driving that up in the morning. But uh, if someone comes back at 80, I, I probably am not going to do any further testing um, unless I see something with their fasted insulin, which we can get to in a, in a minute. But um, that's kind of where I'm at uh, with fasted glucose. Um, and then you got your hemoglobin A1C. I don't know if you want to cover that one or. Yeah, just go, go ahead and cover the ones that, that you feel like people need to take a look at that okay. are important. That they you want me to keep going? Yeah, go ahead, man. Okay. So hemoglobin A1C, just so that everyone knows, is like a three-month average of all your blood glucose. Um, and so where you want this is optimal between 4.8 and 5.3, okay? Um, I, see, I see a lot of 5.1s, 5.2s. Those are great readings. Um, when you need to start worrying, like so if you're a 5.6, 
I would like to get it down some, but I'm not alarmed. When you need to be alarmed is 6.5 or higher, and that's usually a clinical diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. Um, so, you know, 4.8 to 5.3 is great optimal values if you see anything in the sixes. But if you're 6.5 or higher, you have a type 2 diabetes issue. And remember, type 2 diabetes is reversible. Even though doctors don't really talk about that per se, it is reversible with diet, getting back to exercise, getting moving. You can get that down. You don't have to live with type 2 diabetes. Um, fasted insulin, I look at that. And we might have talked about that on the show before and why we look at this, but it's because you could have an optimal fasted blood glucose range, but your fasted insulin could be very high. And what's going on there is you've lost sensitivity, but the pancreas is still trying to keep up. So it's cranking insulin and that's keeping your blood glucose number in a nice range. But with that fasted insulin being high, eventually the gland will crap out and then that that fasted glucose will go up too. So fasted insulin really in optimal ranges are between three and seven. Okay. If you see 10 and higher, that indicates metabolic problems such as insulin resistance. And you're going to want to then attack that with diet, um, looking at cortisol, because that can be a problem, inflammation, and then, you know, getting moving more. So you know what, man? So you, you know what I like to call fasted insulin whenever it's, whenever yeah. it's elevated, but blood sugar is in a normal level. That's the silent fucking fat loss blocker from hell. That's oh, yeah. the one somebody could take their fasted blood glucose with a glucometer and it'd be okay. Yep. But their fast insulin's high. They wouldn't right. fucking know. And they're sitting there. I mean, if you think about this, where all these, this, and we had this, the, the calories in versus calories out um, versus hormones, all that stuff on our podcast is really popular. That's where all these other coaches are putting out stuff saying, Oh, you just, you're not in a deficit. You're not in a deficit. But yeah, I'm telling you right now, if, if, if you want to stop fat loss, look at elevated insulin like that. It's a very real thing. Now, that's where it's a hormone problem, not necessarily a calories in, calories out problem. 100%. 100%. So that's why we look at both. And that's why it's nice that that, that test has that. Um, we can get into thyroid numbers. Um, actually, it, actually, Jason, real quick, if you guys are listening, I think it would probably be a great idea, that, um, Jason, if, if, if you think people should actually grab their labs. So as you're listening to this, I would go ahead and grab your labs because if you're new and you don't really know what this is, as Jason's kind of going along and we kind of chime in here and there, you guys can look at your numbers and that will start to make sense. So go ahead and grab those and then and then uh, just listen along as Jason keeps keeps plowing through these. Okay, it's a good idea. So thyroid, um, your your TSH, we look at that. It's your thyroid stimulating hormone. Um, this is basically a signal from your pituitary to the thyroid to produce T3 and T4. Okay. So a lot of times you'll see labs only have TSH. Well, I mean, it's a complete, uh, incomplete way of looking at the thyroid. Um, the optimal range for this though is one or two. The higher, it's important to understand this, the higher TSH is, the more likely you're to be hypothyroid. And so why? The reason is, is as the body senses it doesn't have enough T3 and T4, it's going to keep cranking TSH to tell the body to make more. So you want to be between one and two. Um, is 2.5 something to cry over? No. Um, but if you start getting fours, fives, sixes, sevens, I've seen as high as 13. Holy shit. You've got an issue. Um, and it's, it's that your body doesn't sense it's, it's making enough T3 and T4. Okay. 
Yeah. You know what, man, that's, that's how many people do you see that are struggling with, with fat loss or they're gaining fat a little bit too fast that are 2.5 and higher. I, I can probably say half the labs I've looked at over the last six months, most people are well, they're over two. Oh, yeah. Um, in, in, oh, in 2.5, that's, that's where I start to kind of get nervous. Um, at 2.5, you know, I start throwing in thyroid boost. I yep, really correct. Yep. start looking at cortisol and all those things. Cause it's all tied together. Are you seeing quite a few people over twos whenever you're seeing that there's a problem? I, I am, but like, I always make sure I look at free T3 because I've seen TSHs in the threes and there's free T3 was 3.3. So in that case, as a practitioner, I didn't give them anything because their free T3 is great. Their TSH is just a little more elevated and it's doing its job. So that's why I was saying you've got to have all the picture. Like a doctor who puts someone on, um, you know, thyroid meds, just looking at TSH, it's, 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 um, it's just not the full picture. You, right. I mean, just look, think of how the thyroid works. You got one, you got the TSH sending signals, T4, you got T4, has got to convert to T3. Well, you could have a conversion problem. So, you know, some labs stop at T4. So we got free T4 and that's the non-usable inactive thyroid hormone. Um, T4 has to be converted into T3 before the body can use it for energy metabolism. So free T4 ranges, um, usually they're like 0.8 to 1.8, like, um, picograms on the, on the labs, but you know, an optimal range is like 1.1 to 1.5 all the way up to 1.8. So like anywhere like kind of mid range up to high normal is what you would kind of want to see. But even here, I've seen kind of piss poor free T4 numbers, but the person's very good at converting to free T3 and their free T3s are in three range. And I'm like, cool, that's fine. I don't care that your free T4 isn't optimal because your free T3 is. So free T3 is really where my eye eventually goes. And it, and it has to, because this is a usable thyroid hormone that your body's cells can actually use. And so the op, the range is there is 1.9 to 4.2 picograms usually. And the optimal for me on that is three uh, up to 4.2. So I want it to be middle of the road all the way up to, um, up to optimal. Um, and that's the one that I really, I really key in on eventually. Um, but I kind of review it as the thyroid works. I, I look at TSH first and I look at T4, then I look at T3. Um, you've got your reverse T3 too. And the body will conserve energy by converting T4 into reverse T3. So let's say you're stressed as fuck. You're stuck in flight or fight, okay? The body in some people, this doesn't happen to everyone, but some people will then convert T4 into reverse T3, which is an inactive form of T3, so that they can then kind of slow the body down. Well, great, now you've, you've slowed the body down, but now you're going to get fat. Um, so this is a stress situation, and I never see reverse T3 unless you know, I request it. Um, if you're just looking at medical labs, that's never going to be on there. Right. Um, I've never seen a doctor run it. Um, but you know, it's a stress component and, um, the standard re reference range for that is 9.2 to 24.1, but you really want it less than 15. Okay. If someone's less than 15, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be okay with it. We might, you know, if they're at right at 15, 14, we'll note it. We'll make a mark of it. We probably got to bring down stress anyways. So we'll work on it and get it down. Um, but that is a stress response. 
And if you see it over 15, um, you should at least be concerned that, you know, there is some sort of uh, heavy stress going on. The body is, is more uh, sympathetic driven than it is parasympathetic. Okay. So we'd be looking at things like resting more, cordies, uh, deep breathing at night, you know, meditation, all those different things to kind of bring the body into parasympathetic more. Okay. And then you've got your TPOAB. This is thyroid peroxidase antibodies. And this is an autoimmune condition where the antibodies attack the healthy thyroid. Um, TPO is one version seen predominantly in Hashimoto's. Um, so the standard range here is zero to 34 IU per milliliter. But the optimal range, and ideally, you want it to be non-detectable. But a lot of times you'll see like ones, twos, threes, fours. I'm totally fine with that. But if you start seeing someone getting up into, you know, the 20s, I start to worry there's a little bit of an autoimmune condition going on. And that means, you know, the thyroid's being attacked uh, by the body. So, um, you know, it's for another podcast and I go over in my, in my, um, my hormones class, but there's certain supplements you throw at it. But again, you know, you usually got to start with the gut with autoimmunity. So you got to clear, you know, clean up uh, the gut fix tight junctions in the stomach. It's a whole process. But for tonight, just know that you really want it undetectable. But really, I get worried when you see it, you know, getting near the 20s. Um, it can go all the way up to 34 before it's, you know, it's classified as high. But um, when I see 20s, I start to, I start to worry. And I, I bet there's practitioners who worry when it's probably middle of the, the road, at least, um, you know, at least considering clearing up the gut. Are you seeing that commonly on uh, on labs, or do people have to re? You know what, Hashimoto's isn't. Hashimoto's is one of those things I'm seeing more and more of it. I didn't see it a lot before, but I'm seeing more and more of it right now. Um, and and that could be just the type of client that seeks me out because they know I can help with gut, and so you know they come to me already with these horrible gut problems. So I'm not surprised when I see a high TPOAB. Um, you know, because a lot of autoimmunity starts when you, know, you get leaky gut and then the things that should not be in the bloodstream start to get in the bloodstream um, from, from the gut. And so that can set off autoimmunity issues. So uh, I think it has to do with kind of the clients that seek me out, but I have seen a rise in it, actually. Gotcha. Um, where, where do you want to go from here? I've got. A yeah, that covers thyroid. And then I would go to sex hormones. Okay, let me let me ask you a couple questions then yep. before we move on. You know, we were going to break this into a two parter, dude. I think we just keep going with this, and we just get all this into yeah. one episode. Yep. So let, let me talk to you about a couple other things um, because on your list you recommend the CBC with ferritin. I do want to talk about um, white and red blood cells and stuff like that, just just so people kind of get an idea if those are off. Obviously, I usually tell people you know, talk to your doctor about that. Yeah, I do too. But th those can also be warning signs if you yes. have any kind of sickness going on or, Correct. you know, infection. Um, yep. It can also be a signal for cancer. Like, but you Correct. know what, if you Google fucking gray hair, you get cancer pops up. So <laughs> don't freak out. Don't go down the Google rabbit hole because I've done that myself. But it is important to kind of take a look at those. It's going to come with your lab work. Yeah. So right, white and red blood cells. But Jason, the other thing I think a lot of people need to take a look at and you may, but you might have been getting to this, but especially assisted athletes, uh, is, is to think about like the liver, the ALT slash. Oh AST. yeah, I get into all that here. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I just, I didn't know if you were going to cover that, but that's oh, what yeah. I've, I've had to talk to clients about when it comes back elevated. Cause they're like, what the hell is that? So, um, do you want to cover that now or do you want to get to that later? You, since we already drawn it, you can start. Yeah. I just, normally I, I like to recommend, you know, if somebody is, is elevated and it keeps coming back that way, I just, I just tell them just add a good, um, detox um like milk thistle for example is something super super simple and you might have something more advanced but um normally i have people just and most of my clients are are natural so it doesn't take long for them to kind of get that turned back around um so milk thistle is real easy you can pick it up on amazon um what do you normally recommend when you see that that so um, a lot of times i'm i'm gonna see so just so you know, your ALT and AST are your main liver enzymes that get looked at in lab work. And um, the ranges on them, I think the high ranges on both of them is around like 35 and 45. And I forget which one or which, but here's how you read it. If they're elevated and clinically high, you've got a liver that's under stress. If they're within range, even if they're 33, 32, I leave it go and we just watch. Like I'm not overly concerned that it's near the high end. So all you have to do with livers is look at the ranges. And if you see an H, (laughs) they put an H if it's high, you know, you've got a little liver stress. Um, I use our Metapure because it's designed for this. It's phase one, phase two detoxification. If you look at the label, I mean, it's chock full of everything you need to improve liver detoxification. Um, if you don't want to go there, um, I use AdvaClear um, by Metagenics. It's a, it's a wonderful product for liver, um, and, I, and I use that. Um, there's also one by Nutridyne. I think it's called Detoxification something, but I'm blanking on the name. But Nutridyne has one, too, that I also use. Um, but usually with my people, um, you're, I see a bogged down liver almost all the time, especially with the metabolic compensated with hormonal dysfunction. And so I usually start with a flush. I mean, that's part of my protocol for the first 14 days. I use our Metapure. I take almost all supplementation out. I let the liver rest and we just get that thing cranking and really get the detoxification and get all the supplements and nutraceuticals that help support detoxification into the body. And, um, usually as you heal a body, the liver comes down and it's not really a problem. And, and, you know, for somebody that might not have a problem, but might see it elevated, what are some things that they may have done um, leading up to their lab work that might actually elevate? Elevated it. Yeah. Well, training. A right. lot of people for training the day before, or, you know, if, if they're, if they train hard, there are byproducts, obviously, of that muscle breakdown, muscle waste, um, protein waste. And so that can, that can, you know, stress a liver a little bit. So training before, obviously, um, you know, shit, if you abuse Tylenol and those types of things, you could see your liver, um, stress. So if you're one of someone that's cranking ibuprofen and all those that could do it. Um, it, you might've drank, uh, hard that weekend that could do it. You might be on oral steroids. That would certainly do it. Um, some antibiotics do it. Accutane does it. There's a lot of things that can stress liver. And, you know, if someone's values are like four or five points over the medical range, I'm not freaking out. Like sometimes I'll just fix everything else. And a lot of times the liver gets back in place. But, you know, if they're pretty elevated, you got 70s and 60s, I'm definitely usually going in with Metapure. Um, but, man, it could be a slew of things that's caused it. Um, 
to be high and I see it a lot. Yeah. I, I haven't, I've never seen them that high ever. Oh, God. And, and I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that just because I have mostly natural clients, they're not. No, really these taking... are natural women that are having these high it's from all the stress to their body and then having, you know, you know, being hypothyroid, having bad gut, um, all this starts to back up into the liver and um, you know, it bogs it down and yeah, you're, they're still detoxifying at some rate, but it's not, it's not optimal anymore. Gotcha. Where, uh, where do you want to go with this next, man? Uh, we can go sex hormones. Okay. That's how I got it written out. Um, I'm checking these off the list. So, okay. So let's start with, uh, males, uh, standard medical range is usually around 250 to 1100, uh, nanograms per deciliter. Talking about test, Uh, right? Testosterone. Mm -hmm. Total, total test. Standard uh, for females is usually 15 to 65 nanograms per deciliter. And so for males, if you're looking to be optimal, okay, you want to be like 850 to 1100. I mean, you know, why not be towards the the high end? Um, Females, 45 to 65, you know, again, you want it to be optimal. So if I'm looking at someone who's taking HRT and they're like, well, my doctor's got me on like, you know, 90 milligrams every 10 days. And, you know, they're at 550. I'm like, well, I mean, you know, you're not clinically low, but, but geez, if you're going to stick yourself with a needle, you know, every 10 days, let's, <laughs> let's bump that up to 180, you know, and, and get that shit up closer to 1100. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Um, but, but this is one of those ones where you want to be at least middle of the range up to the optimal. And all you gotta do is read your, your range and see where you're at. Um, so that's total test. But like you were saying before, like you want your total testosterone, but really you want to look at free because that's the usable amount that your body can use to build, to recover, to fuel processes. Okay. So for males, a standard free test, uh, is 47, um, to 244 picograms per milliliter. Um, standard for females, is 0.6 to 6.8 like that's a big range like 0.6 is is really low and so you know they allow females to get pretty damn low on this before they're like oh there's a problem you know um and those were all in picograms sometimes your labs are going to come back in nanograms so that's why like some of these it's like we could we could you know list all these off but again when it comes to free testosterone it's the same thing look at your range and you want to be at least middle of the road to high normal. Um, because a lot of these are, you know, I've got a shit ton of these listed out because it's, like I said, sometimes they're in nanograms, picograms, and um, it's just going to confuse you to keep reading off numbers. But you want to be high, nor, high, you want to be middle to high normal on testosterone and free test, whether you're a male or a female. And you know what, uh, to interject real quick, we yeah. do episode three, you and I covered this in detail, like very, the optimizing testosterone levels. Yeah. If you guys do want to go back and listen after this, I mean, we go into a full hour of just testosterone for men and women. So um, there's that as well. Jason, I know that some of the best athletes that I've seen, natural athletes, when I've looked at their labs are always the people that have the highest free testosterone. I think you had said that on a prior episode, either either you or Dante or somebody had said it, the freak of freaks have the highest free test out there. And I've also noticed, man, the people that have the, the, you know, you could point to shitty genetics, but I think maybe this is genetic component, but they've got okay test levels, but their free test is just low as shit. 
Nothing else is really causing it. The sex hormone binding globulin, which we'll get into, it's not super high. You just see their, their free test is low. And dude, I just can't get them to grow. Like I just can't. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it time and time again. Um, but would you agree with that? Are you seeing more of the, 100% uh, I agree with it. Like I've seen females on HRT too, that are like at a hundred with their test, but then their free test is like one, you know? And so that's when I'm hitting them with boron, um, uh, about 10 milligrams and I'm hitting them with stinging nettles. Um, that helps bring up free test. Um, and then of course, you know, just de-stressing and, and work in the program that I use, but you know, 100%, I, I use a protocol for myself to improve free testosterone. Um, and it's boron and our estracort and, you know, and then the nettles, if I feel like I need it, but boron's a really big one and it's cheap. Um, so yeah, the better, the more free test you have, the more building blocks you have, the more that's circulating in your bloodstream that can sit and connect in with the androgen receptor. So here's a, here's an interesting question for you. I saw this the other day at a client's lab work, come back. Um, he's on HRT and right. he, he was, he was, you know, upper three fourths range, you know, like eight, 800 or so pretty, pretty decent. His free tea was really fucking high, like really high. What the hell do you do in that situation? Um, he was taking boron and dim and a lot of the other stuff. Um, that I recommended. So I said, Hey, you can probably just cut that back a little bit. So what's the danger of that? And that's something I've, I've always wondered. And I figured, you know what, I just asked you, what's the danger of a, of a super high, um, free tea when testosterone's with, within a normal range. Do you know, like, that's, well, it's, it's I an mean, interesting it's question. Male, I'm not really that concerned to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, I looked it up and I couldn't find shit, you yeah. know, as far as dangers um, of it. If it's a female, you know, um, I would check her, her, her fasted insulin just to make sure there's no PCOS going on, especially if she's not on any, right. um, you know, if she's not anything to cause that, because when you've got rising insulin that causes testosterone to rise big time in some women, and then they get PCOS, right. um, you know, they're, they're, they'll start getting hair on their like lower belly and just crap like that, that, you know, women don't, shouldn't have, and don't want, um, but for a man, I, I, if his PSA is good and everything else is good, I mean, if you look at a guy on cycle, um, you know, let's say he's, he's off the chart and it says, you know, over 1600. So you don't know really where he's at. A lot of times you'll see free tests in the, you know, uh, 300 range, 200 plus range. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're not dying. Um, I just don't think it's a huge deal for a man, but for a woman, uh, especially if they were having symptoms of like hair growth and different things, I would definitely dive into that further. Yeah, definitely. Okay, man, I'm, I'm done interrupting. Keep going. No, that's not a problem at all. Um, okay. So then, uh, estradiol, um, in women, if this is low, it can cause like premenopausal symptoms, things like that. Um, if they're estrogen dominant, which again, that doesn't mean you, that there's necessarily an H next to the estradiol estrogen dominance can be also when progesterone is super low. Um, but that can cause a lot of like symptoms where like periods are too short, um, periods are happening too often, um, super bad cramps, like all that can come along with like low progesterone and estrogen dominance. But right now we'll, we'll touch on estradiol. Um, and this is the, the, the main um, estrogen in a woman uh, during her childbearing years. Okay. After they hit menopause, it changes, I believe to estriol, but don't quote me on that. Um, but right, but when they're childbearing, estradiol is the one that you really want to look at. And so 
there's a shit ton of ranges here. We'll go over the men's real quick. Um, men's can be 20 to 55 picograms per milliliter. I like to see men around 25 to 35, to be honest with you. If someone's at 55 and they don't have any symptoms, it's fine. But when that starts to creep over 55, um, you know, you might get burning nipples, um, just carrying more water, more bloat. Guys can develop gyno. So you want to watch that, especially if it's a guy who's using PEDS. Um, for let's see females you've got a bunch of different ranges because there's a follicular ovulatory luteal and postmenopausal range um and so this is one of those ones where um i don't need a woman to be maxed out so let's look at like the luteal phase um it goes from 70 to 250 picograms um, per milliliter i don't need someone to be at 250 um, to be healthy. Um, it's really a ratio of progesterone to your estradiol that really has to be, that has to be looked at. And I teach this in my class. And so, you know, when you're looking at estradiol in females, I don't look at it and say, all right, I want them middle of the road to high. And if they're not there, I got to get them there. I look at progesterone. I, I run a formula and I, determine if they're estrogen dominant at all and if i need to add tools but the estradiol it's hard to give a range to say this is exactly where i want you but for a woman you don't want to be low because then that affects bone health really badly um, obviously you can get menopausal symptoms uh, you don't want that so if i had to say i like it middle of the road so if you're if, if, if they've given a range of 30 to 120 60, 65, 70, 80, all that would be great. Okay. Now, how do you determine the ratio and how do you determine your estrogen dominant? Okay. This might be hard over a podcast, but I'm going to try anyways. Let's say someone's estrogen or progesterone is 0.4. We know that's low. And if you don't understand this ratio that I'm going to give you the math, that's fine because I can tell you right now, no matter what estradiol range they have, that's going to be an estrogen dominant person. Because again, estrogen dominance can be too low a progesterone compared to estradiol. So how do you do the formula? Progesterone is 0.4. You have to convert it to the same measurement as estradiol. And to do that, you multiply the progesterone on your labs by a thousand. So 0.4 divided by a thousand is 400. Let's say their, their estrogen is at 80. Well, when you divide 400 by 80, you're going to get about six. The range that you want when you run the formula is 100 to 200. That is where you want to be to not be estrogen dominant. So if you're like at 101 on the formula, great. If you're at 120, great. If you come back at a six, you're highly estrogen dominant. Anything under 100 is estrogen dominance. So that's where I'm telling you, you've got to understand the ratio of progesterone to estradiol in order to really know if there's an estrogen dominance issue going on. Because if someone's in range, you might just, most coaches would just be like, oh yeah, estrad estradiol's in range. You're good. But it really has to be looked at in relation to progesterone. And I hope that made sense. Um, this is definitely when people um, should jump in on your class because I know you really go into detail there and, and that's just hard to do on a podcast, but Go back and listen to it a few times and do the math. And um, yeah, I mean, 100%. Yeah. And so I do want to cover progesterone right now because I'd already talked about it. So progesterone obviously is needed to ovulate. 
Okay. In men, it's, it's not important. Like most men's labs are going to be a 0.2. I always see that on a men's labs, like 0.2. <laughs> right. So it really doesn't do jack shit for men, but in women, progesterone is the calming hormone. It's like the yin to estrogens yang. Okay. So when progesterone is super low, women get super anxious. So most of these women that come to me with these problems are like, you can just tell in their emails, they're like anxious. They've been kicked around from doctor to doctor and I get it, you know, but they're very anxious and high strung and it's because their progesterone is so low. And so when I listen to symptoms and how they're typing and how things are going, I can almost map someone out and know when they're going to be estrogen dominant, and low progesterone, but progesterone will be low in women who have lost their period. Um, who have really wonky cycles and, you know, like I said, they might have them, but they're, they're, they're late, they're early, you know, the, the PMS symptoms are horrible. Um, so I usually test in the luteal phase. Okay. And so what you want in the luteal phase is anywhere, um, truly from 15 to 33 nanograms per milliliter. And I'll be honest with you. If I see a woman come back at nine, 10, 11, 12, I'm happy. Like so many of these women that train their progesterone is just, it's gone. Yeah. Um, and you know, you, you know why, and it's, it's that it's the progesterone steel that comes from having high cortisol and always cranking hard on the weights. Um, so truly if you did it done in a luteal phase, like I've told you, you really want to be anywhere from 12 to 14, 15, uh, all the way up to 33. I've never seen a 33 on any of the women that come to me. Now, someone who's sedentary but lives a healthy lifestyle, they might be totally fine. But when you've got women cranking, um, it's tough. I see 0.2s, 0.1s, 0.4s, 0.5s, 1.1. They're always low in estrogen dominant. Um, but, that, but, that, but that gives you a standard range for progesterone and where you want to be. Um, and then a couple others here. DHEA. We check that because a lot of times when cortisol is up, DHEA is down. And you can help the adrenals by supplementing with DHEA. Um, and so the range for women um, usually is three nanograms or less. Um, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong range. Uh, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Um, that didn't sound right to me. Standard range for females, scratch that, 65 to 380, okay? Now, do I need someone at 380? No, but I do like people to be in the 200s for adrenal health and to support testosterone. Um, and then males, it's 35 to 435. So on this, I would like you to be middle to high normal on this. And you can kind of think, oh yeah, that's what he wanted on testosterone. Um, so that makes sense. You know, they're, they're kind of related because DHEA is a precursor to testosterone and estrogen. So if you're really low in this and then you're, you're low in testosterone, you can say, okay, well, what's the precursor to testosterone? Well, DHEA, we can add some of that, get testosterone up a bit, but also help the adrenals um, as well. So I do look at that. Um, a few other ones here. C-reactive protein, uh, it's a major signal of a body experiencing inflammation and stress, okay? So the standard medical reference range is zero to three. Uh, milligrams per liter, but the optimal range is you want to be less than one. So like 0 0.4, 0 0.5, 0 0.6. You don't want inflammation markers in the body. Um, you don't want the CRP being high. Okay. Another one I look at here is homocysteine. That's a methylation problem, vitamin B12 and folate deficiency. 
uh, and you need the methyl forms. A lot of people have this. It's, it's called the motherfucker gene, MTHFR. <laughs> and what, yeah, MTHFR. I, I have one of the alleles, thanks, thanks to my mom or dad. If you have both alleles, so both parents had it, you can be impaired uh, with, with your methylation um, all the way up to about 75%. And that's big over your lifetime. And those people generally end up with your Parkinson's and um, dementia and things like that. But it's a simple fix. So if you get this, you want it between uh, four and nine. Um, but you know, if you see it uh, coming back high on the labs, I'm throwing in methyl B12 and methyl folate um, year round for that person for the rest of their life. And so that's what I take every morning um, because I have one of the alleles. And when you have one um, and you're asking, how do I know that? I've taken a DNA test, 23andMe, and then ran it through the system. Um, it's really simple to do and it's cheap. And so I take that daily. And so a lot of times with my people, um, even if I don't get homocysteine and it's someone that um, they're very high strung, very anxious, a lot of times I just go ahead and put them on our new ethics, uh, new multi, because we use the methyl forms. It's more expensive and it cuts into your over, you know, your, your, your profit, but we use the methyl B12 and, and methyl folate in our, in our vitamin because we, we know about this problem. And so it covers it. And if you don't have the problem, it doesn't hurt you to have the better form. It's just if you do have this problem and you don't have the methyl forms, you're, you're not getting, you're not methylating properly. Right. So now, do I always look at homocysteine? No, um, it's not on the um, life extension one, but you know, it's, it's a marker that I at least wanted to go over. I think I've covered most of them. If I forgot anything, we can go over it. Um, let's talk about, we've talked about sex hormone binding globulin um, pretty much, pretty much a lot over the last couple months. Um, yeah. And, and I was having some, some audio issues here. You were fine on my end. Did you talk about LH or FSH? I didn't go into it. Um, I can, I have the ranges here. Um, you know, so your luteinizing hormone and then your FSH, uh, follicular stimulating hormone. So let's start with LH. Um, that signals the ovaries to produce estrogen and progesterone. Um, and in the men, it binds to the testes to produce testosterone. Okay. So it's a signal to the ovaries in women um, to make estrogen and progesterone. So um, optimal ranges in men is 1.5 to 7.9. Um, if man's in between there anywhere, I'm usually okay with it. But again, middle to high is where you would be optimal. For females, it changes depending on where they're at in their cycle. Um, one of the ways to confirm a woman is menopausal um, is to look at LH and FSH. And if they're in the 20s and 30s, you know that they're truly in, in menopause. Um, otherwise this is one of those markers that you want to just see kind of middle of the range, uh, to high, to high normal. Um, and then the FSH follicular stimulating hormone, it has a direct influence on estrogen product production. <laughs> Let me try that again. It has a direct influence on estrogen and progesterone production in the ovaries. Okay. Um, again, uh, with men, um, and on that one, I don't even see where I have the men listed on that. Um, so I apologize there. I don't, oh, males, there I got it. 1.5 to 9.3. Again, if they're middle of the road, um, I'm good with it. Um, women, it, again, it 
changes based on where they're at. I like to see a middle of the road to optimal on these, on these numbers. Um, and again, it's a very good marker for menopause um, to, to make sure to, to confirm someone's in menopause. Um, that pretty much is all of my, um, everything I have listed. So if yeah. there's anything else, I, I've got a few that I've got down that I figure yep. we would go ahead and talk about. Um, yep. You know, vitamin D is one of those things yep. to where, um, and this is why I started carrying a vitamin D3 product yep. right out of the gate with my line, which we are fully stocked up in. Um, and it's great. It lasts like three months, but I, I saw so many people come back low on their labs. Yeah. Um, that there was a big, big need for it. So I started carrying it and I used it for a long time and in the testing phases myself to get my numbers back up. But it's one of those things people don't understand, especially with, you know, COVID and all this shit going on. Like vitamin D3 is big with immunity. It's big with muscle strength, believe it or not, and bone strength and health that a lot of people just, they just, listen, man, two years prior to this, I never took it at all. Like I never really thought about it. You hear people talk about it, but when I was younger, I'm like, fuck, that's not sexy, you know? Um, so it's one of those things to where, you know, I help a lot of people with that because I'm looking at their labs and they get it on their labs. So I just, I'm able to help them by, by them getting my product. Um, is that something that you see on a lot of lab work or no? Oh gosh, it's low on most people's. And a lot of times, you know, they have gut problems. They're just not, you know, um, digesting nutrients properly. And, um, but you know, vitamin D helps with insulin sensitivity too. Um, not just, you know, immunity. So it's one of those things that, you know, it's, it's pretty important, um, and can really help get energy up, um, uh, with someone as well. I like to see someone at least in the sixties. Um, I believe the top of the range is about 120 and it goes all the way down to like 20 something. But like, I see a lot of people coming to me in the like thirties. Right. Um, that's what and, I see. You know, that's just what I do there is I add 5,000 IUs and go from there and then try to fix the brain or the um, fix uh, the gut and, and go from there. Um, yeah. I, I'm same way. If it's real, real low, I'll hit them with five or 10,000 IUs. I've noticed with mine, it's pretty fucking potent. So they can hit 5,000 IUs a day for a while. And a lot of people, what they don't realize is if, if you are already high, you don't need to add it, by the way, because that's not a good idea either. You don't want to be really, really high on your vitamin D, like out of range high. No, you um, don't. It, it's, it, yeah, it can actually make you uh, store too much calcium, which can be really hard on the kidneys. Right, right. Um, so that was the only one I had besides cholesterol. And, you know, with cholesterol, at some point, we've talked about this since we started the show, we're going to do a whole podcast on it. I just want to get an actual expert, like somebody that does this for a living. And yeah. I've reached out to a few people, uh, functional med docs and stuff like that. I've just had a hard time getting them to commit because they're just so busy. Um, man, I think Austin Stout um, possibly does some pretty good presentations on this. We may yeah. just have him on the show. We all three tackle it. But, you know, with cholesterol, it's one of those things where I've got some pretty good experience now over the last two years fixing myself and helping some of my clients. So I figure we just go ahead and talk about the basics of it for now. Um, and like I said, I like to have people go in 14 hours fasted, water only leading up to the test. And you've got all these different numbers that you look at. But Jason, when most people go to the doc or if, even if they just go to a walk-in clinic or lab, they just get the basic total cholesterol, HDL, LDL, and triglycerides. And what people need to understand is 
you know, they might come back with a little higher LDL and they start freaking the fuck out and they're thinking, oh God, you know, my arteries are going to clog or I'm going to have a heart attack and all this different stuff because they just, they aren't educated to understand what it is. But the LDL side of things, we, we can go ahead and start with that. You have to really get that broken down into the particle size and count. So, you know, small LDL is actually the bad, if you want to call any of it bad. It's, it's what you don't want to be ele- elevated, SLDL, small LDL. And you've got the larger LDL, which is, which is the opposite side of the spectrum. So if you do get LDL looked at, it's not so much are the numbers high. It's are the wrong numbers high. So, you know, ranges were, you know, let's just save that for a different episode. But with LDL, I don't really worry about that too much. If someone's, you know, small LDL isn't super high, it's not necessarily indicative that you have a a high risk of heart attack. That comes back to with any of your cholesterol, you can have higher cholesterol, but if you go have a calcium scan of your heart done, and that's something else that we need to cover at some point. A calcium scan of your heart is just real easy. It takes 10 minutes, costs a hundred bucks. You go in, they, you go into the uh, radiology department and they scan your heart. And it, what it shows is it shows calcium buildup in your arteries, right? In your heart. Yep. And the higher your calcium score is, the, the higher your chance of a heart attack is. So myself, my cholesterol and shit was really high and everything I kept doing <laughs> was making it worse. So I'm like, all right, fuck this. I'm going to get a calcium scan done. They scan my heart and they're like, you have zero, which is the best score you can ever get. And, and I was like, so when do I need to come back and get this tested? Like in a year? They're like, no, five years. And all the research and all the experts that I listened to on podcasts, they all recommended the same thing. A calcium scan is a number one predictor of a heart attack. So do I need to worry if my LDL is slightly elevated, if it's at 160 versus you know 100? Not so much because it just doesn't work like that. Cholesterol doesn't clog your arteries and make you have a heart attack like people think. It's those calcification spots that are caused by a lot of other stuff. That's where a lot of the jamming and stuff happens. So just kind of a real quick breakdown on on the LDL. I wouldn't worry too much about that. Um, you know, and Jason, if you want to chime in on any of this, just, just jump in. As far as HDL, man, that's what I see low on a lot of people. Yeah, I see that low on on most people. Honestly, I see a lot of thirties, like a lot of thirties, and that's a pretty easy fix. And that's that's another reason why I started carrying fish oil right off the bat. Our premium omegas, they're really really high in EPA, DHA, and I I just recommend to people listen, just go ahead and take ten of those a day. Count them as one gram of fat per capsule, and they're healthy fats. And we've talked about this numerous times. They help oh, with yeah. insulin sensitivity, but they help boost your HDL. Which, which are carriers of LDL, it helps, it helps move everything along. So you want the HDL in a, in a better range than 30, I promise you. But man, I bet a lot of people are super, super low. I mean, you see that a lot on labs too, right? Super, super low HDL all the time. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, it's, it's real common. It's, it's rampant. I mean, women or men, um, more in men, but I mean, I see it in both sexes. Yeah. Um, Trigs, triglycerides, that's oh, yeah. something that that's something that we see elevated quite a bit. And a lot of this stuff will help lower triglycerides as well. One of the main things I've, I've seen, is, you know, mine were high. They were 177 to 200 at one point. And, man, I've just noticed people that eat a higher fat, lower carb diet, all their cholesterol seems to be elevated, really, honestly. Um, not necessarily their HDL, but, you know, trigs are, are elevated, 
And I noticed whenever I went to a Mediterranean style of eating with a little bit lower carb and a little bit lower fat, higher protein, dude, it cleared everything up. My triglycerides were better. Um, Are you seeing higher triglycerides on a lot of people that eat a higher fat diet? It it seems to um, depend on the person. Um, And I think it's genetically driven. I forget the gene, but um, I think it's genetically driven. Um, I know if I eat uh, a lot of fat, you know, um, my, my cholesterol, my, my numbers are worse. Um, I don't know what happens with my tries. I forget, but, um, I look at tries a lot. I was taught by a functional medicine doctor that, uh, triglycerides and then your particle sizes, uh, are truly the two main, uh, ways to assess heart attack risk. Yeah, definitely. That's where that injectable L-carnitine really, yes. really shines, which by the way, you guys have a new sponsor over on your other podcast. Yeah. Um, Amino Asylum. Yeah. Amino Asylum. If you guys want to look them up. 15 if you guys want to use any of their products, they have a lot of shit. It's, it's, it's a pretty nice little site. Yeah. Um, speaking of, so the, that, that's pretty much it for the day. Um, this is, I know this was a lot for those of you listening. Um, Maybe it got boring at some points because it just is what it is. We're trying to talk about labs on a fucking podcast and it's a lot better if you take Jason's class or you attend somewhere else that we're kind of talking about this stuff, but it needed to be covered. And I think this was a pretty good episode, man, a little bit longer, but I like that we got it all in on one episode. Um, You know, stay tuned because we kind of have a surprise for you guys on the next episode. We're going to have some guys crash the show that maybe you've heard of. Um, They're called the Excellence Cartel, and I think they're going to take over the show and host it. So that's going to be interesting, man. That's going to be interesting. And maybe, maybe I'll be over there hosting a podcast. So how fun is that going to be? Um, All right, guys. So for myself and Jason, we're out of here. Thanks, guys. See ya.